Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, have we met before? You look familiar. Do the thing. Do the thing. Life is good, but it can be better. <laughs> Oh my gosh, from TV. Oh my gosh, you're the you're the oil guy. The oil guy. Yeah, I'll right. take it. <laughs> Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another special episode of Syndicates. I am your host, Armand Haddad, and today we are diving deep into the latest release, Wonder Woman 1984, and the whole HBO debacle about WB putting their entire catalog on HBO. We're going to get into that, but before we do, today I am joined by the hosts of WSTR Galactic Public Access. First, you know him, the wizard of audio, the master of the force, and a damn good podcaster. Please welcome... Aaron Julian. Armand, it is so good to be back. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Glad to have you back once again. And next up, we have an interstellar podcaster, a cosplay general, but to some, she's royalty. Please welcome to the show, Carla Giacalone. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. This is your first time. Yeah, welcome to the show. So before we dive deep into Wonder Woman 1984 and cast three wishes upon the Dreamstone, let's first talk about HBO. It was announced that HBO was going to host WB, Warner Brothers' entire 2021 catalog on their streaming platform. So I was shocked by the news, but at the same time, I wasn't shocked. Like, were you guys shocked at, you know, WB putting their entire new releases streaming i mean given the circumstances that we're facing right now you know it Mm -hmm. wasn't really a huge surprise it's definitely a risk to take you know they're putting 
everything out there and not just selecting a few blockbuster titles. Like they're pouring it all on there. Yeah, I've been kind of following this for a while. And it's kind of hilarious to me that Christopher Nolan was so sure that Tenet was going to be the movie to save movie theaters and mark the beginning of the age of returning to cinema where the world's ready to get back into movie theaters. Then it turned out the Tenet was just okay. And, you know, it wasn't the box office smash that is supposed to be. And then another strain of COVID got out there and everybody's back. And so it's just kind of inevitable that something like this would happen. I guess it was just a game of chicken to see which studio is going to be the first one to do it. Warner Brothers seems to have been poised the the best to take advantage of this. And it's also kind of hilarious seeing uh, Christopher Nolan's reaction to it, just kind of throwing a fit because <laughs> he didn't get his way with Tenet. But I'm going to miss movie theaters. I think that's the way to see movies. But that kind of charge by the seat model is just not as tenable as it used to be. But streaming is just kind of the, the way to do things. And there's nothing except tradition and conflicting industry interests to keep streaming at home releases from being on the same day as, as big theater releases. So why not? Somebody had to be the first. It turns out it's Warner Brothers. Yeah. Like Carla, like you were saying, it is a massive risk to, to do. And I think having a big corporation like WB doing it is not as risky as like a smaller independent company just, you know, putting their new catalog on like a streaming platform. Given the circumstances, I was like I was saying, I was both surprised and also not surprised at the same time. And I saw Tenant in theaters. I thought it was going to be the big movie to, you know, revive uh, movie theaters. But, you know, the theaters were on life support, and now <laughs> Tenant couldn't defibrillate uh, the corpse that is, well, movie theaters like AMC. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, when I went to see Tenant, there was like, including myself and my friend, five people in the <laughs> wow. Megaplex. Wow. And this is like, a you know, one of those theaters I could fit like 150 people. And there was five people in there. Oh, wow. oh no. It was opening night, too. Like the Twilight Zone or something. Mm-hmm. Similar story with when I saw it. So I went with a friend of mine opening night to the Music Box Theater. Armand, you've been there before. And they like roped off like half the theater, re- severely restricted capacity. They're checking for masks on everybody. And there's still only like 10 people there. I don't even know the right analogy for it. But it's kind of like waiting for your turn to get on the lifeboat at, on the Titanic where you're like, okay, this whole thing's going down. <laughs> We're just waiting. Wow. Yeah, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Thank you. Yeah, like, I hate to say it, like, because I love the theater experience. I love, like, experiencing something with a group of people because it elevates whatever you're watching. And we're going to get into it with Wonder Woman. But, yeah, I think the omission of the theater and having that type of movie being streamed, people see through to what it actually is. And let me preface this entire episode by saying, Aaron, we talked about this in the beginning, like Syndicate is not a box office chaser podcast. Mm -hmm. I can care less about uh, new releases, but I would feel as a film podcast, it would be remiss not to bring up HBO Max and WB putting their entire cinematic catalog on streaming platform. Like... It's kind of like the elephant in the room and you have to address it. 
This yeah. is a, a very big move, and it could change the cinema landscape for years to come, or maybe it'll change nothing. We'll we'll find out this coming year. Yeah, we'll see. What's strange and confusing to me is how they're going to be able to track uh, box office success with movies. And that's kind of the big variable here because I know Mm -hmm. Netflix does not release their numbers as far as how well a movie is done. And the closest thing I've heard with how Warner Brothers has tracked the success of Wonder Woman is basically looking to see like how many people have signed up for HBO Max and they judge that to be like people signing up to watch this movie, which there's a lot of uncertainty there as far as how accurate that number is. Mm -hmm. So if we want to track the success of movies going forward, I feel like with this kind of digital release model, I feel like they need to come up with a better way to track like what movies are people actually watching? How financially viable are they? And is a monthly subscription model going to be enough to sustain the kind of movies that we've been producing with the box office ticket model. Right. I'm not so sure that it will be sustainable in that way, Mm. Uh, but time will only tell. And we don't really have any other choice right now. Especially for massive movies like Wonder Woman. Like it works for Netflix because their business model isn't as big as like, you know, theater movies like Tenant where the budget is, like 200 million dollars and it's like it has to be a blockbuster to even break even or make revenue on it so right yeah i think hopefully i'm hoping for this like more smaller scale movies more like lower budgeted movies Mm -hmm. would come out instead of these like huge multi-million dollar like vehicles (laughs) there's just so much bloat that it almost becomes like a too big to fail kind of thing and you know there Mm. should be some space for big movies like that every once in a while but to try to have your industry rely on those huge behemoths seems unwise Mm. to me what do i know but i it doesn't doesn't smell right it, ma- it makes me wonder, and I don't know if there has been, like, any word about it, but it makes me wonder if, like, once the Marvel movies, the Star Wars movies, like, all those other big franchises that you have, like, it makes me wonder, like, are they going to follow suit, like, with Disney Plus and that platform? I think with Disney, they did, well, specifically Lucasfilm, they did something very smart, which is they built the infrastructure to create high quality essentially movies tv shows at a fraction of a cost because i'm I'm sure you two know for the set of the mandalorian it's all it's not green screen it's a reverse projection it's called the volume Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for the listener that doesn't know imagine you're on a sound stage and you are surrounded by a screen that is projecting the artificial world around these characters so not only do you have photorealistic backgrounds behind you, but you also have the ambient lights being casted onto the actors. So it further gives the illusion that you're actually somewhere and actually looks really good. Like it fooled me. I was like, wow, like they're actually going out into the environment. Nope. It's all fake. And I think if other studios 
follow suit in that regard, they can make quality stuff at the fraction of a price. Yeah. That's what I hope happens. I don't know about you, but like special effects don't really impress me anymore. I'm tired of seeing just like huge things colliding into other things and breaking up into smaller things <laughs> on the screen. So if we could like step away from that, that'd be cool. Our computers are better than yours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what a lot of the superhero movies are. Uh, not to offend anyone that likes superhero movies, but a lot of it is like flexing like, oh, yeah, this is what we can compute in our render farms. And, and yeah. a lot of the story elements fall to the wayside to the spectacle of, look at these crazy CGIs that we can do. It's like, we get it. Mm-hmm. It looks real. Let's let's have <laughs> better stories being told. So moving from there to get specific with HBO Max, Wonder Woman 1984 was just released. And before we get into the plots and before we even get into first impressions, I do want to make an anecdote saying that HBO disabled the free trials. <laughs> of course I didn't know they that. Did. They're getting their money somehow. <laughs> and apparently it's doing really well. A lot of people signed up, but... The real question is how many people are going to cancel after, you know, after the end of this month. Yeah, I guess it depends on whatever is being released. Uh, You have Dune coming up, Matrix 4. Like, there's some big movies coming down the pipeline from WB. The real question is, will it be smart to have it on HBO Max? Mm -hmm. We'll find out. But moving from there. Wonder Woman, 1984. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of Wonder Woman, what was everyone's first impressions with the sequel to the first Wonder Woman? I'm a very casual DC fan. Like, I don't really know, like, too much about that universe and, like, the nitty-gritty of all the characters and, like, who's who. But in just looking at it from the first film... I think I definitely enjoyed the first film more. And I mean, I don't know. I I think people were kind of ripping it apart, Mm -hmm. like to shreds. And I'm like, why? Like, is it really this bad? And I watched and I was like, oh, it's okay. It's not. That was all right. But maybe I'm taking like a more objective point of view again, because I'm kind of like on the outside of this fandom Mm -hmm. looking in. The outsider looking into the box. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I saw this movie received a lot of flack. Now, I'm a fan of the first film, uh, Wonder Woman. I like the aesthetic. I like the entire story. Like, it was, it was a great, it was a great mm-hmm. movie. This one is totally different, which is a bold move. That's the problem with sequels. Like, you can either go in the same footsteps and rehash what worked before or do something different, kind of like Empire Strikes Back. But the risk is alienating everyone that liked the first movie. It's like, ah, oh, why didn't you just do the same thing again? Kind of like with Home Alone. Home Alone 2 was set in a different uh, place, but same exact storyline. And it worked, you know. So I do applaud it for being different and to be risky. But, you know, to appease the comic book fans, <clears throat> Aaron... What? Me? No. As a comic book fan, Aaron, I know you're a big DC fan. Like, what were your initial thoughts? You know, Carla was looking into the box. You're very much inside the box. What were your first impressions? My roommate's, he's the, he's the DC fan of the house. 
and he's been getting me into it slowly but surely. Probably more relevant to this is that I really liked the 2017 Wonder Woman. Very good change of pace for the DC universe. And this movie for me felt like it was 10 steps back in every every conceivable way. It had a miserable time watching <laughs> the movie. There were so many different things that didn't make sense. It felt like they like opened the closet to the Silver Age of oh, comics boy. to just to like reach in and grab the invisible jet and like everything else came out to, just tumbling out of the closet in the movie. And these are not good things that tumbled out of the closet. It felt in a way that the original Wonder Woman was very much like a pro-feminist statement in a lot of ways. This movie, it felt like just in completely the opposite direction for story-specific reasons. It was just tonally, it was all over the place. I didn't like almost any of the characters. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, but it's true. I, I did not have a good time watching this movie. I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> I even messaged you this morning and I'm like, Armand, I don't know if you want me to have me on your program anymore. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first and last appearance for Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, you, you were very reassuring. You're like, we have, we have different opinions on this podcast yeah. and we will allow them full breath. And I'm like, cool. I'm I'm all up for it. No, if I, yeah, I mean, I said this from the beginning, like if I just wanted an echo chamber of certain thoughts, this podcast would look very different. We all come at cinema differently because we're all different people. We all have different life experiences. We all see film differently. We all interpret what we watch differently. So I think it's important to highlight that and also to have that marketplace of different thoughts going on. So, yeah, I mean, let's, uh, I mean, I did, so I saw a lot of people ripping it apart, a lot of people being angry about the film, and like, I understand why, and I'm going to make a very controversial statement right now. I think after a year of no superhero movies coming out, and then finally we get the superhero movie that we've been promised it's been delayed like three times and it was just kind of okay wasn't great wasn't bad it was just like eh, it, you know it's fine it's a movie and i think the reason why is because throughout the decades there's like certain fads like in the 90s there's a fad with kung fu movies you know that was reprised from the 70s mm -hmm. and then in the early 2000s you had this spike in pirate movies because of Pirates of the Caribbean, a whole bunch of copycats. So right now, mm -hmm. superhero movies have been working because of the, the MCU and how successful it was. And so you have like other copycats going on. I think we are seeing a change in movie trends for popular movies. And I think the whole superhero genre is starting to fizzle out when it comes to movies. I don't know what's going to replace it, but... Star Wars, probably. We're getting so many movies, we're drowning in them. <laughs> hey, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain about that. I can't really picture, like, what the next big thing would be, you know? Because it's... We've already kind of hit all the different genres of, of movies. 
unless it starts <laughs> to like cycle itself back. But yeah, I don't know unless there's a different approach to a superhero movie. Um, but it seems like that's a pretty, you know, like there's a certain formula yeah. to how those movies work. So it's like, how do you change it so that you engage the audience again? Um, but Armand, I think you bring up a good point is, you know, um, people are, you know, we're kind of getting tired of it. And now that we've had a little bit of a break and we've come back to it and then you have this film, that's kind of just like you said, it's not terrible, but not great. People are, people are pissed, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, what I just watch, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's the root of the problem. It's like, you're seeing through the facade now. It's like, oh, this is, you know, just an okay movie instead of like the big movie that's going to revive theaters like Tenants. <laughs> Do you, so I'm just like kind of thinking about like the whole state of affairs with the world and the, and the human population. Do you think it's because we're looking to these TV shows, these movies as a means to escape, right? Especially, I mean, it's always been like that, but especially, especially now. So do you think maybe because this film fell kind of short, like, do you think this, because of where we are, you know, in the state of this pandemic and all is why people may have like poo-pooed it as much as they did? Like, are you saying that we're kind of looking for this kind of cultural touchstone to rally around and nothing has fit the bill yet. So we're kind of like, it's a case of sour grapes. Yeah. With everything that does pop up. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Popular culture has always been like a reflection of what's ever been going on in society. I, I talked about it before in a couple podcasts ago. I think behind enemy lines was one of them in the mid two thousands with the Iraq war you saw a surge in vampire and zombie media being super popular. And Mm. I theorized that as being society coping with the horrors of war, you know, seeing uh, people getting blown apart on the news and soldiers coming back home to maimed. So while it's not overtly that people aren't, aren't going to be like, I watched the walking dead because of, you know, the conflict in Libya or whatever, but they don't notice, but their brain did like subconsciously, you know, their shadow is Mm -hmm. manifesting in the type of media that they want to consume. So Mm. given before the pandemic, um, superhero movies were really popular because like, like you've seen like social institutions, like not be objectively good anymore, but more like a, a gray area and so with the pandemic, mm. like kind of like exacerbating everything by like, like you said, Carla, like we're cooped up in our homes. We're looking for the savior figure. And you would think it's come, it's going to come from like Wonder Woman. You see the movie and it doesn't live up to your expectations because you're wanting that escape from the bullshit that we're experiencing right now. I don't know. Changing of the times, changing of people's tastes. I think as far as future of the film industry goes, whatever is going to succeed is going to be whatever is going to be successful on these streaming platforms. And also considering the whole film industry by and large has, has been out of work for the better part of a year with no end in sight. 
there's going to be a great downsizing in mm-hmm. Hollywood, just with dealing with the realities of a pandemic going on and kind of restructuring of the industry if this uh, streaming service thing goes the way it's going. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot smaller movies, a lot smaller like shows and limited run series, things that are maybe more story driven and or even like procedural rather than these kind of grand blockbusters, just because I don't think a streaming release model is really going to be able to support that. And it might be a while before we ever get back to, you know, Avengers Endgame levels of these kind of grand monumental blockbuster movies. This is the reason why I want to talk about this movie is because like it's a tentpole movie because of the context of when it's being released. Knowing that by the end of this month, at the time of recording, AMC will have no more money. (laughs) I did hear about that. So by the end of the month, all their liquid cash would have run out. So this year is probably going to be the end for AMC theaters. And for those listening internationally, because I know the majority of syndicate listeners are overseas, those are American brands. So I wonder what brands will replace them. Maybe the, the return of mom and pop shops, like we were talking earlier with the music box here in Chicago, our wonderful independent movie theater that's been up for a hundred years or coming close to a hundred years. Or all these movie theaters are going to turn into churches. Oh, I mean, it's already been like that since the turn of the millennium. Like, yeah, I grew up in this suburb outside of Chicago when I was like really young and we had a, we had a bowling alley and we had a, a theater. Both of them converted to churches. Both of them. Interesting. Yeah, the bowling alley was first and then the movie. Did they remodel it? Or like when you get baptized, you go down a slide and like down the lane. <laughs> That's the what ba- I'd like to imagine. The baptism tank is, uh, oh, first you have to hit the pins and then you go <laughs> yeah. into the baptism tank. <laughs> That'd be a new denomination. It'd be uh, the Church of the Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, Church of the Dude. Church of the Dude. <laughs> and then uh, instead of communion wine, it's uh, White Russians. Oh, I'd sign up. There you go. <laughs> uh, if only. So moving from there, you know what time it is. Oh, boy. You know what time it is, Aaron. Boy, do I. So here on Syndicates, we like to do something called the Elevator Pitch. So for those that don't know, uh, you really only have 60 seconds to really sell a friend on a movie. So here today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Since uh, this is a roundtable episode, we're going to split the time between both of you. 30 seconds each. Carla, you're going to go first. Ladies first. And then Aaron, you're going to finish her elevator pitch. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. So I have a timer. (laughs) I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Are you two ready? Yes. Ready. (laughs) You're going to summarize the plot of Wonder Woman 1984, avoiding major spoilers. You're going to start in three, two, one, go. Okay, so uh, movie opens up. We have Diana, and she's a little girl on the mascara, and she's in this competition, and um, she's racing against um, other Amazonian women. And she's going through the course, doing her thing, and um, 
she, after falling from her horse, she finds a shortcut and she gets close to the finish line and she's stopped by An- Antiope. I think I'm saying it right. Um, you know, she gives her kind of like a lesson. Aaron, lesson go. Learned. Um, Flash and- forward a thousand years to 1984. <laughs> A mysterious stone turns up that grants wishes, but the wrong guy gets it. He's a con man, and he's trying to make the entire world worship him as the as the wishing stone. Will Will Wonder Woman and Chris Pine stop him? Where's Cheetah coming from? Oh my god! That's, oh my gosh, that's, that's a little hard. hard doing it, and it is. Yeah. It's usually 60 seconds, but, um, you know. I didn't know, like, how detailed it was supposed to be. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, you're just on the, (laughs) you're just in the prologue. (laughs) They're on the mascara, and there's a, there's a race. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. All right, so moving from there, the movie opens on the mascara. We don't know really... When it was, like you said, Aaron, probably thousands of years ago, considering Diana is a god, as it is revealed mm-hmm. in the first movie. So the movie opens up with a triathlon of sorts. And what did we think about this intro? This is the first 10 minutes of the film. This is my favorite part of the, the whole movie. I feel like they should have cut the whole thing out. <laughs> <laughs> So why was it your favorite part of the movie? Just um, her relationships with the other Amazonians that are there with her. Um, I enjoyed that in the first movie as well. So I was kind of happy to see that they brought that aspect back into the movie. I was kind of disappointed that they never returned to that (laughs) at any point. But I don't know. I just I enjoy that aspect of Wonder Woman and her story and her past. Yeah, like, I think that was a good tie-in to the first movie and a good, like, introduction to, or reintroduction to Diana and Wonder Woman. It was a very bold intro because I highlight that it's the first 10, it's literally the first 10 minutes. When distributing your movie, you want the most interesting aspects of your movie to be in the first 10 minutes because typically... For distributors, they just watch the first 10 minutes and then they decide whether or not they want to distribute your movie. That's why when you watch the original Star Wars, the big battle is in the beginning with the stormtroopers on the Tan of Four. Empire Strikes Back, you know, he gets attacked by the monster in the beginning of the movie. Like if you watch movies like that, you'll see like there's a hook in the beginning and then they get into the whole plot and story developments from there. And having the movie start with a triathlon, while it is interesting to watch, I could see why people turned off the movie within the first 10 minutes. <laughs> and Aaron. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay. Let me just say. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just say this. I don't think they should have cut out the whole thing. I think they could have condensed it to a nice montage that's like two and a half minutes. Fair, yeah. And then get into the second intro of this movie, which we're going to get into really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, th- I think they could have truncated it significantly. But yeah, why do, you, why do you think they could have cut that entire section out? The short answer is that there's nothing in that scene that has anything to do with the rest of the movie. Only in like the loosest sense, they say a bunch of platitudes about truth. I don't, I don't know. There's nothing set up in that is like paid off in any other part of the movie. If you wanted to have the flashback, which I agree, I, I like the Miskira. It's a cool place and like a cool culture that we saw a good deal amount in the first Wonder Woman. But, you know, there's there's still plenty of potential there. What they could have done was have that be some kind of setup for this wish stone that we find later. We could have gotten glimpses about what it was about and what its power is like and what kind of dangerous potential is there that will hmm. be unearthed later in the story. But we didn't mm-hmm. have that. We had a we had a triathlon. I didn't feel like this sequence had any tension in it because like everybody's like a perfect athlete and you know, they run across a bunch of obstacles. I don't know what it was about it, but it was like that uncanny valley thing where it didn't feel like the physics were all working properly and they're just kind of moving like like video game characters. And I know the argument is that these are Amazonian warriors. They're supposed to be the best of the best. They're like this kind of martial culture that they train everybody to be the best. And you and you want Wonder Woman to be strong and the best and everything. But without some kind of limitation or like weakness or anything like that, there's no tension. There's no kind of emotional connection that you're like rooting for them to overcome some obstacle. She's just out in front the whole race drops her bow at one point and so she has to like she chooses to take the shortcut down the side of a mountain to get to the end and that's the only bit of tension because as we learn along the way she missed like the last target and so disqualified herself from the race and then robin wright comes in and it was nice to see her but she immediately like goes to diana and like tells her that she's disqualified but then tries to immediately comfort her by saying like a bunch of crap about truth being the only way and you can't take shortcuts in life. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. It it felt, it it felt really weird. And like she was saying so much and nothing at the same time. And then you start your movie and it's like, yeah, why didn't we just like start like right where the movie starts, where you have this kind of dramatic crime busting occasion Mm -hmm. at the mall where wonder woman saves the day and saves this little girl from being hurt. It's like, that, that has a lot more tension in it because there are other people involved who are at real risk of harm. Why didn't you start there? It was like they, yeah. they took it and was like intro part A, intro part B, but right. not yeah. connect, but not Opening. connected. Yeah. <laughs> the scuttlebutt I heard was the studios wanted Patty Jenkins to cut one of those two intros. And she said, no, 
We're keeping them both. Hmm. Damn. And, and apparently they didn't or couldn't force the issue. So we got both. But it's like, <laughs> it's, it's the intro to two different movies. It, you know, you have your, your like Origins of Wonder Woman part two or, you know, Wonder Woman in 1984 where everybody's in in 80s clothes and living the 80s lifestyle and doing aerobics in the in the mall. It's like, that's got its own charm. Why didn't we start there? Yeah, I mean, and like I said, like you could have truncated, you could have kept both. I mean, you could have had the Themyscira opening be two minutes, like do like a little flash forward. Oh, it's the 80s now. She's all grown mm-hmm. up, like do a cool transition, kind of like Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Yeah. But, you know, we didn't. So <laughs> instead we had both. Mm-hmm. The movie opens from there. It, it truly opens. I felt this was the most campiest part of the movie. I think it was on purpose, too. Yes. I felt like it was like an homage to Linda Carter, her 70s version of a Wonder Woman being like, oh, I'm going to stop the bad guys and looks at the camera, winks, and then saves the girl. And the girl's like, yeah, thanks, Wonder Woman. I'm going to be just like you. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and it felt like it, it knew what it was doing. It wasn't like taking itself seriously. It's like, ah, I see what's happening. Why wasn't this the intro? This could have been a great intro to the movie. And I, I feel like it would have captured people's attention right away. It's mm-hmm. like, ah, this is what I expected from the movie. With this intro, not only do we reestablish that Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman, but we also have a voiceover throughout from Maxwell Lord, uh, mm-hmm. the villain of the movie. You know, life is good, but it can be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. playing on an ad in the background of the whole scene. He looks like a televangelist. He's like <laughs> this kind of smarmy, like Trumpian kind of figure <laughs> where his whole thing is selling different shares in oil sales. Mm-hmm. And so kind of a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. You know, you yeah. throw in with me and you'll get your investment back. But really, as it turns out, he's a fraud. Just like little like side note, it was just really freaky to see Pedro Pascal with blonde hair and no facial <laughs> hair. It's <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> he was the best part of this movie. He was just like completely hamming it up yeah. and having a great mm-hmm. time. Like, yeah, he really hammed it up. I mean, that's how you're supposed to treat these kinds of movies. But yeah, essentially his entire business is a Ponzi scheme. I don't even know if it was on purpose too. Like he just invested and bought land that he thought was oil rich, but it wasn't. And he didn't know that. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. whoops. So I wouldn't say he's a fraud. More or less, he's a fledgling businessman. Like he wants to be like, Michael Sheen from Wall Street or, or Donald Trump in the real life 80s. <laughs> yeah. But he's not. You know, not everyone can be a successful businessman. So going from there, Wonder Woman stops a robbery at a local jewelry store. And like with everything in the 80s, everything has a dark side to it. And this little mom and pop jewelry shop has a dark side in the back. What was mm-hmm. in the back? A black market. And in that black market, the wish stone. Yeah, so we see a stone that uh, looks strangely like kryptonite, and I thought it was kryptonite all this time until they're like, 
Oh, it's the the wish stone or the dream stone. Dream stone, yeah. Anyways, yeah, she stops the robbery, and there we have the dream stone, and the dream stone is transported to Clark Kent's, I mean, Diana Price's alter ego's work employer, the Smithsonian in D.C. Yeah. Yeah, she works as, I think, an archaeologist. Yeah, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. she's an archaeologist. Yeah. And in this sequence, we meet Barb, who's played by Kristen Wiig. How would you describe Barb, Carla? Like, so we have Diana, which is our main, our leading lady. How would you describe Barb? She kind of reminded me of, like, just coming from my own personal experience. So I went to an all-girls Catholic high school. She reminded me of, like, the super nerdy girl that was all about her studies and all about her (laughs) schoolwork. And, you know, she was just awkward and socially just kept to herself and uh again like just that like awkward nerdy type of girl (laughs) whereas like with diana it's like oh like bombshell popular girl you know so basically almost total opposites of each other like she's definitely the best friend archetype in film like you have diana which is like the popular girl the cheerleader Mm -hmm. and then you have the best the nerdy best friend which is barb (laughs) And of course, Diana being Wonder Woman, she befriends Barb without question like, hey, you're, you seem like a good person. Let's be friends. And so they become friends. You know, she's the awkward type because she spills her papers all over the floor. Oh, oh yeah. no. <laughs> and like none of, the, none of the guys will help her. They're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. No. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't even know she exists. Yeah. She's like the female Peter Parker before the powers. Before the powers and before the pizza time. <laughs> Barb is a loser. She's unattractive and unnoticed. And of course... She has glasses on. Ooh. That's how you know she's like, not good A looking. nerd. <laughs> Which that bothered me because they deliberately tried to reverse that trope in the last movie where yeah. Diana had the, yep. had the glasses on and she's like, she's like still hot. That's one of the reasons why this movie felt like a step back for me. But anyway. So earlier, no one knows that Diana is Wonder Woman. She stops a robbery. The Dreamstone is transported to the Smithsonian. And of course, who's going to be looking at this? Barb, who is the gemologist. And they think it's just a regular gem. I think they think it's, um, I forget what actually. Citrine. Yeah, they think it's just it's citrine. Like, it's like a very common you know, stone, maybe the whole thing. I mean, this thing is like almost the size of like a, like a grapefruit, but they're Mm -hmm. like, and it's probably worth no more than $75. Yeah. Which seems about right. You know, for the time too, like, Oh yeah. eighties dollars. So that'd be probably like hundred, 200 bucks today. Right. So they think it's just a regular gem and well, Diana's looking at it because you saw the inscriptions on the base of the rock. And she was like, oh, we have something similar in my culture, like Grant's wishes or whatever. And as a joke, the scientist comes up to it, places his hand on the stone and says, you know, I really wish for a cup of coffee right now. And then magically, mm-hmm. the intern walks in. I have coffee for everybody. Oh, wow. <laughs> his wish is granted. So Diana is longingly looking at the rock. And 
What do you think is going through her head? Boy, I wish I had that man that I'm not over. <laughs> that I'm not over after sixty years. Then there's a little gust of wind through her hair, so you know it's working. Yeah, she's thinking about Steve. Mm-hmm. The one that got away. Got away to the other life uh, beyond the grave. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like she's holding the stone, wishing that Steve would come back, and then. Barb, at the same time, wishes she could be like Diana. She even says it outright. She wishes she wishes that she could be strong, sexy, cool, and most importantly, special. And she is. Yeah, she becomes very special in a bad way. So <laughs> around this time, yeah, let's get through the plot and then we can get into the theme of the movie that I want to talk about. So yes. Maxwell Lord, he becomes a partner of the Smithsonian, and it is established that he sent in those men to steal the stone because he wanted the stone. I guess he's dabbling in the occult to, you know, have his business be successful. So he he sends his team in in the beginning of the film. So that didn't work. So then he becomes a partner of the Smithsonian. So he gets access to the stone, and. He steals the stone, and he wishes that he would become the dream stone. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. So he would grant the wishes. Yeah, so at that point in the movie, he becomes a giant rock. <laughs> <laughs> he becomes the actor of the rock at that point. <laughs> yes. It's a very strange film. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. So, yeah, the, the rock disappears, and he becomes a dream stone. So... We have these three characters, our three main characters, and they all wish upon the stone. And the reason why I highlight that so much is because as I was watching it, I'm like, I know what they're doing. With every movie or literary piece of work, you have to know the classics to understand what's going on now. Mm -hmm. Aaron, you put this before. I don't know if you said it on air, but to understand literature and cinema now, you have to understand two things, the stories of the Bible and Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Once you understand those two foundational pieces of literary work, you understand everything because everything is derived from those old stories. In Western civilization, at least. Yes. And another important piece from Germany, from uh, Goethe, which is Faust. Mm -hmm. The ideas in Faust kind of permeate through so many pieces of work, and it's very prevalent in Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, so Faust in the story, the man for who the play is named, he meets this mysterious stranger named Mephistopheles and basically offers Faust whatever he desires so long as he signs away his soul. Pretty obvious Mephistopheles is like a stand-in for Satan. But he does so anyway, and he you know, enjoys the high life, riches, fame, all that comes with it. But the bill comes due, and it all comes crashing down for him. We see it, too, in The Monkey's Paw, which is a mm -hmm. short story. I believe it's English literature, where this guy comes home. He's got this kind of uh, superstitious artifact, this like mummified monkey's paw, and that's mm -hmm. supposed to grant wishes. And he wishes for a ton of money. And the, the whole thing with monkey's paws is that it'll grant your wish, but not in the way that you hope. 
And so uh, he wishes for a bunch of money and his son, who's working in the factory, meets a terrible fate at getting caught in some machinery and he gets his money by the way of the life insurance payout. So yeah, Faust is kind of the origin point for this kind of story, but it's mm-hmm. it's been told and retold, you know, many, 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 many times since then. And so we kind of see this yeah. with the Dreamstone where it grants mm-hmm. your wish, but it also takes something from you. Yeah, there's a, a great equalizer element to the Dreamstone, just like with Mistopheles. Yeah, because like in Faust, he grants your wish, but then he takes something away from you, which is your soul. And with Wonder Woman 1984, Diana wishes for her lost love, Steve, to come back to life. And magically, he does. His consciousness comes from beyond the grave. And it is placed within some attractive looking guy. And so Steve is back for all intents and purposes. But the Dreamstone takes away her superhero abilities. So she becomes a normal person. Not good. Slowly, bit by bit, just bleeds yes. her dry. As the film progresses, she loses her powers. And then Barb, who wishes to be like Diana, slowly becomes Diana, except what's taken away from her is her humanity and her sense of being good. She becomes the villain, the cheetah. Mm-hmm. So as Diana gets weaker, Barb gets stronger. And then with Maxwell Lord, he becomes a dreamstone and he is granting all these wishes to like his business partners, his competitors. He goes all the way to Egypt to get the oil refinery, uh, oil fields in Egypt, make it his. He even goes to the president, Ronald Reagan, and like wins. <laughs> favor of the entire country like as he's like climbing up the social ladder more of his soul gets like eaten away and he be like he becomes more uh distressed more distraught like he he's looking pretty bad by the end of the movie you're getting what you want but there's a cost to it that's what was most interesting for me about this film was that it's kind of a a modern retelling of faust now here thematically is where it connects with the olympic games intro because Mm -hmm. the whole point of it was like you need to go through and do things the proper way and if you try to take the shortcut it's not going to work out for you there's also the connection with max lord with his son alistair is that Mm -hmm. as he's becoming more and more successful and more powerful he gets more coked out his like pops a blood vessel in his eye and his son, all his son really wants is just to spend time with him. But he's granting wishes to everybody and amassing this power. And he kind of becomes this genie for untold thousands of people when mm-hmm. all his son really wants is to spend time with his dad. But it, the, yeah. the what his dad is doing is just driving a wedge deeper and deeper between them. Mm-hmm. I think, doesn't at one point he, he says, like, Dad, I just wish to like be with like to be with you and he's like no 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 like be quiet be quiet because he doesn't yeah, don't, want him don't waste to waste your wish on that right but he doesn't <laughs> want like everything that he's worked up to this point to come crumbling down either so yeah i think specifically he says don't wish for what you already have why not wish for more mm-hmm. like life is good but it can be better <laughs> yeah 
Another interesting angle to this Faustian story is that typically, like once you make that deal, there's no going back Mm -hmm. and you are just screwed and you are left with your choices and all the pain and misery that brings and there's no going back. But with this movie, Mm -hmm. they discover that you can renounce your wish. Yeah. And so if you renounce your wish, then what was taken from you is returned to you and what you take is also given back. And so Diana has to come to terms with that. She can't be with Chris Pine anymore. And, you know, he tries to make it easier for her saying like, you know, I've lived a good life and she doesn't want to let him go, but she eventually has to. And in doing so, she discovers some new powers, has some sort of flight. Her lasso extends to infinite lengths. It can hook on lightning. And so there's, there's a lesson in that where, Oftentimes, in order to live a fully authentic life, there are things that you need to let go of. And unless you're willing to renounce those things, then you're going to be stuck or it's even going to be your downfall. That was a big move for Diana. I mean, she she got what she always wanted. Like for the past 60 years um, since Steve's death, like she's been mourning him. Uh, in the beginning, mm-hmm. we see her apartment, and it's it's essentially a memorial to him. She has all these uh, news articles um, cut out and framed. She has pictures of him, and she has his watch, which is you know the the symbol of their relationship, kind of like with a marriage being the ring being the symbol. Uh, that's the symbol mm-hmm. of their love for each other and yeah so it's a big deal for her to finally get her wish fulfilled but also to let go and to move on and like you said aaron now she has new powers and because of that she can be an even greater hero and then the same i don't remember what happened with barb she got buddy buddy with max lord because she rescued him from diana and then he went to like this military broadcast studio which looks like the inside of the death star he basically like hijacked every tv on earth and was like broadcasting messages like give me your wishes and so he starts taking some of those and he gives usually whenever he takes a wish he states like what he's going to take in return and so uh he starts like doling out wishes and gives some of them to barb Apparently, she's always had a thing for furries, and she's wanted to be an apex predator. So, furries. <laughs> yeah, so she she becomes one. She becomes Cheetah, and then outside of the broadcast station, she fights Diana in a set with no lighting, and uh, they go uh, tumbling around on wires a bunch, and then she gets like electrocuted but survives, and then later turns back. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but. Yeah, she didn't win, so that's the point, <laughs> I guess. I I was confused going back to Max Lord, like being in the communication room, because they kind of made it a point to show that he needed to be touching the person that mm-hmm. asked for the wish. Yeah. But then it's like I didn't get the connection where like he's in this broadcast room, like he's not he's not physically directly contacting any of these people so like where is that i that's where i was lost I was exactly like, uh. Carla. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
the explanation they give in the movie, it's like they use technology similar to the Star Wars program mm-hmm. to shoot a bunch of particle beams at every like TV or monitor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like touching them, I guess, maybe. And so, so some some magic happens and it works. <laughs> the force works in mysterious ways. I remember now. Because he met up with Ronald Reagan. And well, air quotes, Ronald it, Reagan. I mean, yeah, he, he's always the. Yeah, president. I looked at, I looked at the credits, <laughs> and he's just credited as POTUS, and I'm like, <laughs> he sounds like Ronald Reagan. He looks like Ronald Reagan, and he mentions the Star mm. Wars program. It's Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, caught that. One. I, yeah. I, I bet probably didn't want to get sued by the Reagan estate. That is not my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. So that's weird. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so yeah, he meets up with, with Reagan and Reagan's like, I want more nukes. We need to beat the empire. I mean, the Russians. <laughs> he magically gets a whole bunch of rockets and then Russia is like, Oh my God, they're firing rockets at us. Unleash our arsenal. And so Diana only not only has to stop Max Lord, but also needs to stop him and then stop nuclear Armageddon from happening. All in the third act. She needs everyone to renounce all their wishes that they made. And they have this montage where a bunch of people are making wishes mm-hmm. as they're responding mm-hmm. to Max Lord's broadcast. Yeah. People are like wishing for, for for fortune and fame and stuff like that. And they have to renounce all that. So it kind of implies that everybody's wishes were all like selfishly motivated. And it's like, oh, what if, um, <laughs> what if somebody had wished that their cancer had gone away? Do they have to renounce that now? It's like, oh, we didn't think that one through. But I, I think yeah. it also wanted to prove a point of showing that, you know, um, there are a lot of people out there who are very selfish mm-hmm. and greedy and don't think of the better of others. You know, it's all about that individual mindset, like me, 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 like, how can I benefit myself at the cost of others? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that was more of like the point that they were trying to drive there. But I, I could see what, what you mean. Like, oh, what about all the, the good wishes? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with the sentiment. Just in execution, it's not that clean. Yeah, I mean, that was a poignant uh, message. So we have the Faustian arguments that sets up the movie, which is, you know, whatever your desires are, it can be granted, but with a price. And then at the end of the movie... It's hammered in by the fact that, yeah, you got your wishes granted, but you need to move on. You know, you can't always get what you want. You can't cheat in life. That's not how Mm. heroes are born, Diana. So (laughs) everyone renounces their wish. The world uh, adverts disaster and everything is set the way it should be in lovely 1984. So. Mm. We reach the end of the movie. Diana is freed. She has self-respect as a person. She moved on, and she's ready to jump into life again and potentially uh, join a league 
to dish out justice. The super friends? Yeah, the super friends. She's going to go there with her invisible jet. Batman's going to be there. It's going to be great. Yeah, so the movie closes, and we are left with a post-credit scene. I will say, this was the best part of the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because I didn't expect this at all. So when I, you know, with the intro scene, I was like, oh, this is like Linda Carter. You know, this is like a love letter to Linda Carter. You know, the campiness Mm -hmm. of, you know, that old TV show, Wonder Woman. So there's this lady that's walking through a, a marketplace and she has dark hair. And I'm like, okay, that's Wonder Woman. And a telephone pole falls and she catches it. And she looks at the camera, turns around, looks at the camera. And who is it? Linda, Linda Carter. Carter. I jumped up after a daze, <laughs> a, a bored daze. I was like, oh my God, because... I didn't expect that. And also, I didn't know she was still alive. (laughs) Yeah, I thought she was dead. (laughs) Oh, we're horrible. I was like, oh, my God. They actually did it. She looks good. Yeah. I was like, whoa. I was like, damn, didn't age a day. (laughs) So, yeah. In the movie, there was some exposition from Gal Gadot where she talks about some Amazonian god she created the armor that she used at the end of the movie, which is like... Asteria? Yeah, Asteria. So yeah, Asteria used the armor. She uh, fought on all of humanity during the dark days. And uh, it was believed that she died, but actually she lived and she's living amongst the people, which is pretty cool. Mm. And yeah, I thought that was a nice nod to Linda Carter. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. That was Agreed. That was the best part of the movie. So we walk through the whole plot. It's a pretty simplistic movie, even though we try to wring out every thematic juice that was available in there with a Faust Mephistopheles. To end the show, we like to do one reason why here at Syndicates. So starting with you, Aaron, <laughs> what is the one reason you would give someone to watch this movie? And you can be as creative as you want. One reason to watch this movie is when you have an HBO Max subscription and you're on an airplane and it's been delayed by two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit cruel, but it's because it's funny. Um, you should watch this movie. If you've got that hankering for a big budget blockbuster movie, superhero experience, go see what the big hubbub is. Nicely put, Aaron. And you, Carla? <laughs> kind of echoing what Aaron said. Like, if you're a fan of DC, if you're a fan of Wonder Woman, whether you're, you know, huge fan or just casual fan, you know, and I think it has some good messages, you know, within it, uh, which is worth a watch. And it's kind of cool to see how they adapt it to the superhero model of the film. And it's just, it was, it was a fun movie. So I would say if you're just looking for something to watch and not, you know, really like think too much (laughs) about what's going on, um, then it would be, it would be good. So. My one reason why I do believe like it is worth a watch. Will I be watching this again? No, (laughs) but you know, it was fun while it lasted. There's not a whole lot of new releases coming out. So I think it's important to 
somehow in whatever shape or form support the cinema industry if you're a movie fan when theaters were still open here in Chicago uh, I made an effort to see movies I was interested in in theaters just to support you know AMC or Cinemark but obviously people didn't follow suit so it looks like those companies are going under but whatever <laughs> this is why we have controlled fires as a, a great Jedi once said, let the past die. Kill it if you have to. <laughs> so I'm very curious on what this new age of movie making, movie watching is going to be going forward in the 20s. I think it's an exciting time for movies. It's not a very exciting time in real life, but, you know, things will get better. Wonder Woman will come and save us. <laughs> Can can we yeah, wish seriously. the pandemic I mean... away, please? <laughs> oh, please. Yeah. yeah. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> if only. But, you know, there has to be an equalizer. You know, if you wish the pandemic what? away, there's probably going to be like an alien invasion or fire tornadoes or a Sauron shows of up. COVID coming through. 2020 <laughs> prestige mode. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Sauron and Saruman come out the Mordor. Uh, <laughs> Helm's deep. Yep. Why did we wish this pandemic away? <laughs> I renounce my wish. Achoo. Yep. <laughs> but that's it for this time on Syndicate. Thank you for watching, and we hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Wonder Woman 1984 by Patty Jenkins. Please check it out where it is available. And I'd like to thank my guests for coming on the show. Thank you, Aaron, and thank you, Carla, for coming on. Thank you for having us. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a blast. Yeah. You guys are welcome back anytime. Please follow Syndicate on your favorite social media platform. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E, Syndicates, on your favorite social media platform. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have any comments on the show or any media that we'd recommend, 
please uh, email us info at syndicate.com or check out the website syndicate.com. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. <laughs>